Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to all our online friends. We do hear amazing reports of online people. People can be overseas with work and still get to tune in. Um, one of Roz's old school friends was telling her sister about Roz. So she's been listening online. And uh, Roz got to visit them out at Maitland just the other day. Didn't even know that had been happening. And so a lot happens online. It's quite a powerful um, provision. Anyway, so great to have you with us, whatever country or city or house you're in. It's good to be together. Um, I haven't been around as much lately. I, I've sort of, I'm retired, so I try to use the freedom. I'm preaching a few, um, sorry, mentoring a few preachers now, so I like to go and hear them preach occasionally. And if my kids are preaching somewhere, I sometimes go and listen to them too. So you don't see me quite as much, but I'm here and my heart's here. And it's so good to be with you. Um, I really love it. I've just got back from New Zealand. Um, so today's message is, It's on a series, Keeping Your Peace, but I'll mainly deal with that early next year. Today's one, part one, Ready, Set, Slow. So I have the privileged position of being retired, so I'm learning how to move slowly. It's a bit of a trial, really. (laughs) I fly to New Zealand. I leave home at four in the morning, due there about four in the afternoon. They cancel the flight, eh? Like, it's just nothing now. Since COVID, what is that? Oh, we'll cancel the flight. Hey, oh, we'll chuck your bags away. Who cares? It's like, this is the thing now when you travel. So they cancel the flight out of Newcastle because I like to fly to Brisbane to go to New Zealand because I can park at Newcastle. Anyway, so the only way they can then get me to New Zealand is they get me to Brisbane sometime during the day. Then they decide if I want to get to New Zealand on the same day, I have to fly to Sydney and go out of Sydney. So I've left home at <laughs> four in the morning. I arrive at Sydney at four in the afternoon, even though it's only two hours' drive away. <laughs> I fly out at six, I get to New Zealand, the motorway's closed, so it's an hour drive to Paul's. We arrive at midnight, but that's okay, because guess what? I'm retired, and the Holy Spirit just keeps going, you're going to learn to move slowly. <laughs> okay, and then when I come back, a flight got cancelled, and so I had six hours to kill at Brisbane Airport. And I was really good for four hours. And it was like, it really got to me. (laughs) So just learning how to go slow. I think there's a message in it for Christmas, even though it's impossible to go slow at Christmas. If there's any slow moments, they will be good for you. Or even to plan in, you know, at Christmas, New Year, the odd slow moments where you can slow yourself down. Um, I'll just tell you the story, and we'll go to it in in Scripture, but... uh, all Will Be Well is a famous old story that Ros's mum put me onto. It's Horatio Spafford. He was a wealthy businessman who lived in the 1800s. One night his wife and four daughters were on a ship crossing the Atlantic Ocean when their vessel collided with another ship and all four of his daughters lost their lives. His wife sent him a telegram with the terrible news and a few weeks later Spafford was travelling across the Atlantic, to be reunited with his grieving wife. At one point, the captain of the ship notified him that they were passing the exact location where his daughters lost their lives. 
And that night he took a pen and wrote these words, a very famous hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And that became a famous um, thing. And as a Christian, I've always thought, well, I don't know if I'll be able to say that in some situations or in in some losses, but I, I think we have our own way of doing that. And what it does, it destroys the power of the enemy over you when you have loss. If you can lead yourself by faith and drag yourself to this place where you go, I don't care how I feel right now, God's going to win this. There's, there's just this thing. And I was watching on uh, telly the other day, you know, Australia has very good BMX riders, and one of our best world champions, Sam Willoughby, had a bad accident and became a paraplegic. and wasn't able to compete at the last Olympics. And just before the last Olympics, uh, the Sukibara family, um, uh, Kai Sukibara was like number two or three in the world and his sister was also in the top five in the world and they were both going to compete for Australia at the Olympics. And he had a bad accident and has become a paraplegic, but he's trying to learn to walk again. But... Anyway, the, the, the sister was amazing because her brother had been through this and they'd trained their whole lives together and she's going to the Olympics. She said, we talked together about it, Kai, and I, I had to find a way to drag myself into some kind of positive zone so I can even to compete because he was going to be furious with me if I let his accident stop me from competing and I wanted to compete for his sake, not my own. It's just interesting, isn't it? In life sometimes, ah, you would have experienced this in the last few weeks. Because there's other kids, eh? You can't just fall in a heap. It's, it's, I have to find a way to drag myself into a zone where, where we can keep moving. So I think in a way today's message is a bit, all will be well, even when it doesn't look like it. And just a few examples from, from Scripture. Because I wrote this, if Jesus saves the best wine to last, Life should gradually get better, not worse. And it doesn't always feel like it is. But anyway, um, this is out of Acts 16, uh, two stories. First one, Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of, can't even say the words, Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit would not allow them to. So they passed by and went down to Troas, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Um, So they got ready to leave and they went to Macedonia. We had a beautiful guy, George, in our church that was Macedonian. And a lot of the Macedonian people came to the uh, funeral and I felt to read that scripture out. And out of that, got to share the gospel with with a lot of Macedonian people. It was a a really special time. But... See how at first it's frustration, stopped, I want to go there, stop, stop. But then he has the dream and all of a sudden he feels on track. You find that in life, doesn't it? Roadblock, roadblock, what's going on? Oh, here I am now and God's using it for good. Now it's okay. But the thing God likes us to do is not freak out when the roadblock's there, is to think, okay, this is going to turn around somehow. He likes us to walk past the roadblocks with faith. And, and what we tend to do as humans, and I, I wrote this down, um, uh, use your words to change the situation, not to describe the situation. <laughs> because whenever Roz gets home from work, I like to describe the situation of the trials of the day. 
But I think the Holy Spirit really likes it when we use our words to change the situation we're going through. Just just interesting principle that I really like it could, because it convicts, it convicts me a lot. Um, mm. Okay, another one in Scripture. So Paul and Silas, you know, are doing this missionary journey. There's a female slave just follows them everywhere and is yelling out stuff and causing havoc. And after a couple of days of this, Paul can't take it anymore. It goes, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And the evil spirit leaves her, but it then... Because this, this girl worked like a bit of a slave for some owners and she would predict people's futures and they would make money out of it. So now they can't make money. So they complain and this is what happens. Verse 22 of chapter 16 of Acts. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged. So my theology is kind of already out the window. I'm already... Aren't these your disciples? Aren't these your followers? Aren't you supposed to protect them from this? So I'm already, you know, why is this happening? After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stock. So impossible to get away. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. So immediately, like, well, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be going, my back hurts. Why, why is this happening? So I'm almost not feeling like a Christian at this stage as I'm reading the Word of God because one of the things the Word of God does, it divides bone and marrow. It shows up our stuff. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is actually to reveal our hearts. So when you get a shock at your weakness, that's all right. Just stay in God, though. Go to God and go, wow, I'm feeling really weak here. I need some work. So this, this testimony is raising me because they've been severely flogged and they're praying and singing hymns. The other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there's such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he threw his sword and, what, and was, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted... Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and basically says, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and this is like Roz with this girl that had been listening to the in front of her family and kids, got to explain the gospel to them in their home. Um, uh, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household, when it was daylight, the magistrates sent things, you have to be released. Anyway, it all worked out for good. <laughs> all was well, but the challenge this morning is, can we at least say all will be well? I don't think I'm mature enough as a Christian yet just to stand in the middle of a loss and go, all is well. I should be able to, but guess what? If I'm honest and I sit down with God, I thought, I lack. I'm not there yet. Ooh, ooh. But I'm at all will be well, but I just need some more work. But that's just me where I'm at. You're probably much more mature than me and are already there. Anyway. <laughs> all right. All is well. All will be well.
whether it goes your way or whether it doesn't. Um, I got really convicted the other day. I was preaching at Hope You See Newcastle and their team won the Christian soccer thing this year. And so the president of the Christian Soccer Association was there. But I noticed he was on crutches and was finding it really hard to get around. And when he came out to do the presentation, he fell over and had a nasty fall. But he was able to get up. And I thought he must have had sort of... MS or, or something, do you know what I mean, or motor neuron. But anyway, I was talking to him after and he's in stage four cancer and doesn't have a lot of time left and his wife and his daughter with him. But he, he still came to give and he said to me, Mark, the good thing about having cancer is I've never found it so easy to share the gospel with people. I'm leading people to Christ all the time. And that was what he lived for. That was his thought. I thought, wow. Here I am. It was a bit hard at the airport the other day. <laughs> you know, some people are just amazing, aren't they? I, I just, I really learnt from, from that man. It was, it was stunning. So I, I do like the thing of, you know, when we do have a faith statement that changes our situation, it does take power off the enemy, and I, I love that. Um, this doesn't fit, but I just wanted to say, because I thought it was really interesting. There was a, they did a study in America. What's the most common thread between all the male uh, mass murderers in America? You know, because they have so many shootings in a year. It hasn't, the gun thing hasn't, the penny hasn't dropped for them, has it? Because they just all go and buy more guns. I think that'll solve the problem. You don't often hear of someone took out the terrorist with their gun, it's just like the, the murders just keep happening. So they did a study on what's the most common thread between them all. And you know what it was? They're all very strong conspiracy theorists. So I'm not sure what, what the message is because some conspiracy theories are interesting and I know you can't trust all authority, but if you throw out all trust of authority, it undermines your truth base and you can go a bit weird. So... You know, just make sure your conspiracy theories, if you've got them, are based on truth, not just suspicion. Because when we assume and just base things on suspicion, we can end up doing weird things because our, our judgments can be, can be skew if. But I just found that an enthralling... I, I don't even know how to digest it properly, so I probably shouldn't try, try and explain it. Um, uh, the other thing I just wanted to say on, on All Is Well was just interesting um, before I do my last point. Um, I haven't seen my brother for four years, so that's not too big a deal, except this. The rest of my family of origin have passed away, and so he's the only member of my family origin left, and he lives in another country. So I liked having a family of origin that I can visit. Um, from the age of when I was 17 until 24 my parents used to go away for Christmas and I had a job then and I couldn't go. So I had every Christmas for six years on my own. Pretty lonely. Um, and so after four years, you know, because of the COVID and not being able to see him, I was really missing them. And just going and being in the house of a family of origin member just felt so good. My identity came out better. I had fresh confidence that I'd been lacking and I just noticed in observing a few things, and it started me thinking when I was stuck at Brisbane Airport, I wrote down my favourite atmospheres because I thought, I just love the atmosphere of his home. His kids are grown up. On the plane on the way over, I thought, 
I'm 68. I'm probably a bit irrelevant now because these kids are, you know, engineers and lawyers and stuff. I'm probably going to be a bit irrelevant. I'll have to try hard and relate. But instead of just joking around like we used to and rolling around laughing, we actually had intelligent conversations and quite deep stuff we, we were sharing together. And I really, really enjoyed it. And it did something in my identity. I still haven't figured out what it is, but it was just like my confidence went, went up or, or, or back up. But it, it, just that whole atmosphere, like I wrote down what are the four best atmospheres I'd ever lived in. And one of them was like, going back into my parents' house for Christmas after I'd led them to the Lord and, and we were married and we'd go back in and all of a sudden there was this great atmosphere in the home or having Christmas with Roz's family when I had nowhere to go was, was really huge and a great atmosphere. And I, I got a shock because I realised even with our own family, my favourite era was when the kids were all living at home. I thought, gee, better work on the, on the current era a bit more because <laughs> it just didn't feel as good. But... Um, I don't know what messages there are in that other than it's really nice when you do invite someone uh, into your family thing at Christmas that doesn't have somewhere to go. You, you don't have to do that or feel guilty if you don't because we didn't do it for a long time, okay? But there's something nice. I've experienced both. I've experienced, you know, the belonging and the great atmosphere but having somewhere to go when there was nowhere to go. Gee, it was... A valuable thing and I understand that for some of you because um, one of my nephews, his girlfriend lives with, with my brother and his wife because she's from a tough home situation so she can't go back to origin but she has the adopted family and it's very hard on some of you because I talk about how nice it is for me and my family of origin but you, you, you can't get there there's nothing to go to or the atmosphere is wrong and it doesn't do anything for you. So I suppose it's finding those other places and atmospheres. It could be church family, it could be other things, but it's good to be aware of what atmospheres work for you and, 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 work, and work towards that. Because I was reading a quote in a magazine I bought on psychology while I was stuck at Brisbane Airport. <laughs> and <laughs> it, just, it was talking about habits. It said for, you've, it's good to form good habits around the things that reward you in the right way. And they said you have to line up uh, your habits with what your dream is. And if they're not lined up and they work against each other, you either change your dream or, or change your habits. And I, I found that quite enthralling and I realised I had some adjustments to make. Because I'm a bloke, hey, we're just going along. The World Cup's on. We don't care about anything else. No, we forget that we have to process stuff. And so I'm sitting there, but I read a truth and I'm thinking, oh my God, I need to do some work. My habits don't all line up with where I'm trying to head in life. So, you, you know, you get a pen and pad and you sit down and you start trying to process yourself with God. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so that's all about protecting your peace, the whole, the whole habits thing. Because um, your happiness isn't someone else's responsibility and I, and I re- was reading in this magazine they were saying uh, one happy friend what was that one happy friend can affect your own happiness by about 20 percent or help increase it by 20 percent and one super negative friend that's totally stressed out will reduce your own peace by about 20 percent so you can't surround yourself with too many non-peace people and they said what people tend to do is 
drift away from those that are too demanding or are judging them the wrong way all the time. We just slowly move away from them for the sake of our own health. And I thought, so you, you have to be mindful of your effect on others. It's not just who's good for me, who's good for me, I'll grab them. You've got to be mindful of your own effect because what you probably aren't mindful of, those that are drifting away from you when you're too negative. So, you know, if loneliness is, is a problem, there's, there's some stuff to, to consider there. Um, and choosing your battles, you know, in keeping your peace, choosing your battles is a really big deal. And I, I don't know why I thought of this, but um, when Daniel was in year six in primary school, he was a school athletics champion. And the day after the athletics carnival, he was pretty, he was pretty stuffed because he worked really hard the day before. But then every kid in the school wanted to race him because they thought, if we can beat this guy, we're the new school champion. So all lunchtime he's racing kids. I said, oh, how did that go? He goes, I won the first nine races, but then I started losing them all. <laughs> That's because you were tired. I said, you've got to do the thing, I choose not to run, because there's this episode of Seinfeld where Jerry keeps going, I choose not to run. Um, but it was just that thing, you can't race everyone. You can't prove yourself to everyone. That's just staying in pride. And I, I, I had this thought... Um, <clears throat> Some people who get jealous of you try and create power struggles with you. They're trying to prove they're as good as you are. But here's the revelation. In God's eyes, they already are. So they don't need to prove it to anyone. That's just making them step into pride. They, they don't even have to do that because God sees them as equal. It's just like we've just got to move forward in God. And you know, Psalm 23 is one of my favourite psalms, but the bit about he prepares a table before us, before our enemies, I, I, in the presence of our enemies, I never got that, eh? But I'm just starting to see that when people are competing with you or yelling stuff at you or judging you or using you like a punching bag for all, all their judgments, the idea is to ignore them. Um, and while they're yelling, you just sit down with your peaceful friends who encourage you and have a nice meal and enjoy it. Anyway, that's just one angle. Just press on with the, with the positive stuff and, and live that. Because sometimes the greatest revenge is, is, is living a good life, isn't it, really? You, you don't have to bother getting people back because there's so many cultures on earth and nations on earth that base their cultures on revenge. And you know why it doesn't work? Because what they do with revenge is they try and make their revenge bigger than what was done to them. So they win the battle. So they increase the amount. And then the other nation or person increases their amount and gets them back more. You see it in the gangland wars. While I don't like people dying unnecessarily, one of our protections is that in the gangland thing, they all end up killing each other and we get to be a bit safer in society. But, you know, in the midst of the killing, there's a lot of family tragedy and, and things that go on because they feel like they've got to up the ante. Um, the Bible talks about, I'll conclude, the Bible talks about uh, keeping your feet shod with the gospel of peace. That's kind of being a peacemaker wherever you can. And I know in some situations when you try to be gentle and go for peace, some people bring out their line and try to devour your lamb. But, but you know, 80 to 90% of the time, the best scripture is a gentle answer turns away wrath or anger. 
And so it's good to have our, our feet shod with the gospel of peace. And um, someone said this, I think it was John MacArthur. Uh, he said, in the church, there's too many barefooted people. Everything hurts and wounds them and makes them suspicious. <laughs> They're walking around, why are people doing that to me? Why? You've got to keep clothes with Christ. Jesus often left the crowds behind and went away to pray and rest. And every time he did it, someone got offended. It's a bit like, how dare you not meet our need? It's like if someone got offended at me, how come you're not at church every week? Well, I'm like, nick off. <laughs> I did 30 years. I worked too hard. I gave everything I had. I'm retired. So judge your own life. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> if you've been strong, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> Never lose your peace over something you can't change. So see how, here's an example. I nearly lost my peace right there by, by responding or reacting. See, it's like, no, just take a step back from that. Don't justify yourself. Just live your life in peace with God. Gee, I'm a good example to you of what not to do, aren't I? Like, living it out. Oh, God help me. <laughs> I think... Just two, two funny things to finish on, but they, they fit in with this. When we stay in motels, and I get to stay in a few nice ones now, it's because state, you know, when Ros has to be at events or speak at something, they, they put her up, so I go for the ride and get to stay in a nice motel. But we have this thing, we're still like kids when we stay in a motel. We don't hang anything in the cupboard, we throw everything on the floor, and we love the mess. Because at home, you know, everything's, you keep it tidy. It's just nice to have a place to go where you feel like you're still at teacher's college. Oh, unpack our bag. <laughs> I really like it, but I always have to put the do not disturb sign on the door because I'm terrified that the cleaners will come in and see the mess and think, what are these guys doing? Um, but that's just me. Um, Brett Bush was a classic for my nephew who's Down syndrome. He loved his backpack. But what he used to do with his backpack, he'd fill it with the heaviest books he could find because carrying books around made him feel important. But his backpack was so heavy, he ended up with a bad back. But even when we brought him to church, to take that backpack off him, mate, he wouldn't talk to you for weeks, you know. So I don't know how to deal with that even now other than to say is, I think we do that, all of us, at least a bit. We just carry some stuff that we shouldn't have to carry. And it can affect, you know, like the bareback or, or our soul or our spirit, that Jesus does say, easy yoke, light burden. So if it doesn't feel like that, and for me it hardly ever feels like easy yoke, light burden. But guess what that means? That means there's something wrong with me. I need to do some work and some processing on what am I carrying that I, that I shouldn't be, be carrying. Be a, a light traveler. I've at least trained myself to travel interstate just with carry-on, because I like to take everything in case I need it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Big suitcase. But they lose them all the time now. <laughs> carry-on, mate. I had to get rid of all my medications and all the things you might need just in case. But I can do it. It, it took me a while, but it feels good travelling light. Because when I read that thing, remember I preached that thing about when Paul was in the boat and it broke up and sunk. So the thing he was relying on to get him somewhere wasn't there anymore. But God does this thing. You don't need everything you think you need for me to get you to where you're going. 
that was the, after, after preaching that, I went home and I thought, I'm going to crack this carry-on only thing. Anyway, there's a thought. Thanks, Ross. Tough. Ros do response. How do you do response after that, Sal? Brisbane Airport. We all need to go to Brisbane Airport and process. You might need, you might need to go back and process a little bit more at, at th- those 30 years. So let's close our eyes. <laughs> Tyler and Georgia. Oh. Did the Lord say come back to Newcastle, come back to Macquarie? Not yet. (laughs) We love you guys. Close your eyes. Oh, Holy Spirit, we love you. And I just know that we've, there's a few few bits and pieces in our backpack that shouldn't be there. And perhaps that's why we've got a sore back or we're not hearing from you or we lost our peace with our family. Just get that torch, Holy Spirit. Shine it on our backpack. Is it judgment? Judging people. Is it unforgiveness? Is it disappointment? From years ago? Is it something someone said, a yoke that someone's tried to put on us, a label? Is it we're trying to please people, saying yes too much? Is it pain, trauma, fear, anxiety, whatever it is? Just get that torch. Holy Spirit. The things we can't control. We just get them out of the backpack and we put them up on your altar because we can't control them. Do your work. We let go. We just let go. We trust you. And while every eye is closed, if you've never received Christ, you're here at church and you've arrived somehow or been coming for a few weeks but you'd like to receive Christ into your life the one that said come to me all you who are weak and heavy laden and I will comfort you and give you rest the saviour if you'd like to invite Jesus Christ into your life I just want you to put your hands straight up because I'm going to pray in a minute and I'm going to include you in that prayer anyone this morning hand up so I can see and pray for you Okay, thanks church. Thanks darling. Put your hand up. Good girl. Do you want to pray together? Yeah, let's pray together. Let's pray together, church. Dear Jesus, just pray in your heart after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I ask that you forgive me for all my sins and mistakes. And Lord Jesus, I ask you into my life. Be my friend. Amen. Amen. That's the prayer you prayed, Bella. Where is she? That's the prayer you prayed, Bella, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very simple Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.